That's your new Instagram name? Forever what? Katie? That's your new Instagram name? Forever Katie? Oh, no, it's Katie Forever. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Sober Black Girls Cup Podcast with your host, Jay Nicole and Katie. Katie, what's up? How you doing? I'm all right. I have a little wig headache. <laughs> what's a wig headache? Just... A wig headache is when your wig is too small for your head because your braids underneath grows out and now like you have a headache it's too tight. So I kind of <laughs> have like a little wig headache, but I'm going to push through and hopefully I can redo my braids. <laughs> hopefully I can redo my braids this weekend because clearly I cannot stress out these braids anymore. My head, this wig is going to hurting me for the past two days. Anyways, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm better. That's funny. That's that's. I mean, it's not funny that your head, <laughs> that your head is hurting, but I guess it's funny because at first it feels good, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, yeah, it's time to switch this up. So, so uh, I am feeling good. I'm feeling good. Coming off of our last episode was such a powerful conversation with Takia. So again, shout out to her for coming on and just sharing her heart, her love, her wisdom, and all that good stuff. It was just like so many gems dropped. So that was definitely good, and we're gonna just you know, try to get into this conversation today. I actually was just looking at like different things and this came up and I was like, wow, like that was actually a thought. It obviously was back in 1939, but I saw in this kind of like a, I guess like a manual that was called the Akron manual that was created in like 1939 by some of the founders of AA. I think Dr. Bob Smith and someone else for that matter. And the yeah, right, for real. 1939. <laughs> Wait. I'm bad at math or I would do math. I don't even know how long ago that was. In the 30s? Yeah, 1939. Well, I'm thinking that back because I don't know how inclusive they were at that time. All right, continue. <laughs> and so it was a 12-page manual. I mean, excuse me, it was on page 12 of a manual called the Acra Manual that was created in, I think this was actually in Canada, and it was something that they used, just kind of like the big book and all of that stuff like that. And this particular part of the document says, sobriety is the most important thing in your life without exception. And I was like, hmm. It says, you may believe your job, your home life, or one of the many other things come first. But consider if you do not get sober and stay sober, chances are you won't have a job, a family, or even sanity or life. I read that. I was like, dang, that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) First of all, let me put this out real quick right now. If you love AA, great. We love it for you. Okay. These are our opinions. Listen, um, and if you feel like you don't like the episode because you don't like what we're saying, that's totally fine. You know, uh, turn off your podcast app and go do something else. It's okay, okay? But these are our opinions. We're not saying this is law. We don't enforce these on our members. Uh, A lot of our members actually practice AA or some form of 12-step. Great. They like it. We love it for them. This is our opinion. Do not come into the inbox. Do not send me an email. I'm not responding. All right, Jay, take it away. Was that was that yeah. mean? I hope that wasn't too mean. But I'm just being honest. Don't send me emails or or DMs about about this episode. I'm not responding. 
right. Yeah, I think it's got to definitely, everything's got to be a personal opinion as far as that. And, and again, like you said, we always feel like whatever's going to work for you to keep you sober, then that's what's most important. But I just came across it when I was just looking at different topics around this sobriety and just like some of the things. And it stuck out to me because it was at like the top of the Google page. And it was like sobriety is the most important thing in your life without exception. And I thought for myself, like, how how did I receive that? And I think what came up for me is that at some point in my life, that was the mindset, probably pretty much early on when I was trying to just like get sober, stay sober, not drink, stay away from it. I feel like it was more mind consuming for me. And so it became a priority. But just like as time has gone on, I don't know that it's so I agree with them in the sense that if in some people's cases, if you are not sober, then, yeah, your home life, your job, your family, like all those things are probably not in the healthiest place. If you are someone who needs to be sober and you're not, all those things are probably probably in shambles. But to say like it's the most important thing in your life without exception I don't know I think it's situational in that regard but for me I feel like at some point yeah it really it really was like listen like this is what I have to do because I need to be the best part of myself but now and maybe we can speak from two different points of it it's year many years later it's my sobriety has just become synonymous with my life so I don't really think too much about it like it's just a part of who I am or who I've become. So I don't see it that way. But I do feel like for some people, it can become real life or death in terms of the quality of your life. So you do have to put that as a priority and no exception. And that's how I remember when I was in AA in the beginning, it was like constantly just like meetings, meetings, service, service, meetings, meetings, service, service, sponsor talks, this, this. And I, but I, but again, I think everything is different for everybody. What's your thoughts? I actually, um, surprisingly, agree with that. I agree with their um, the statement. I understand what you're saying, though. I think sobriety and recovery are two different things. Like recovery, per se, is like act- actively working a program, and sobriety is just the act of abstaining. And I totally feel re- what you're saying that you are in a stage of your life where like sobriety is synonymous um, with your life. I know there's some twelve step programs um, <clears throat> who say like if you're not working if you're not working a recovery program then you're working towards a a relapse or something like that I don't believe in that I don't agree with that at all um but I do for me where I am in my life like sobriety say the quote one more time no no definitely (laughs) no yeah yeah no let's get it correct so it says sobriety is the most important thing in your life without exception Yes. So where I am in my life, sobriety is the most important thing right now, without exception, especially where I am right now, like mentally and like a little emotionally, nothing is like going on. I just like, do you ever get those times where you're just like inwards, like you are like encountering or experiencing deep emotions and it's like not and nothing is really happening but it's just like you cannot control it and for me I just have learned to accept like one we're in Pisces season and I swear I do not like these water seasons because this is when this is when the universe really just gives me big emotions and it wants me to like overcome them sometimes they're too heavy for me to like encounter and I just really like last night I like spent like the whole two three hours crying and asking what I'm crying about I can't even tell you I just feel like a a deep sadness so I say this to say that like 
because I'm still trying to like learn and navigate my feelings, like that is successful for me. A successful life is when I truly understand, especially me being a very emotional, deep, sensitive person. Like when I understand <clears throat> my emotions, triggers, um, and how to navigate them because I'm still in this like journey of like, and again, someone asked me the other day, what does success mean to you? I'm like mastering myself, really getting to know myself in such a way that when I do encounter like these deep, hard feelings, I just know, okay, just cry already. Just cry. Just get in the, no, just cry. Cry it out. Like, don't try to fight it. Don't try to eat it away. Don't try to, like, get on these useless dating apps and, like, talk it away. You know what I mean? Just face it. So, where I am in my life, in my spiritual journey, like, sobriety is, um, is the most important thing without exception because I at this point am still really facing a lot of like big emotions and the first thing I do want to do sometimes is drink like lately when they're so heavy like I don't know how to explain it but when it's so heavy it's like sitting in your stomach I'm like literally looking for something to do to um escape the feelings and i know like sobriety i mean sorry uh drinking is not the answer so i don't do it but it doesn't mean i'm not like actively fighting you know and it's not even a craving it's just like i know if i like drink for that moment this hard feeling is going to go away and i'm gonna go to sleep and wake up and even be 10 times worse but in that moment it will go away so i think that like i so i agree with you i think we're seeing the same thing i think that like mm -hmm. sobriety and recovery are two different things i think that you are like 15 years 13 years 14 14 years in the game like sobriety is your life now like you know what i mean sobriety is your life um so your life is the most important thing to you so you're essentially saying that sobriety is also the most um important thing to you i think that like what what you kind of talk about is like maybe a recovery program and i do agree that not everyone has to be actively working a recovery program to um to stay sober or if they, they're not that doesn't mean they're gonna like relapse like i don't really um fully agree with that but i do agree right now that sobriety is the most um important thing in my life as i'm trying to like navigate my feelings and thoughts and the complexity of being me all right yeah no that's so good like first of all you said so many things and, and i agree so that let me if that wasn't clear in the beginning i do agree with what they're saying as far as sobriety being the most important thing in your life no exception i think that i was taken back that in 1939 they were coming that hard where it was like this is it no exception your life your home your job because I think a lot of times we do think that those other things take priority, our home, our job, our family, all these things. But what they said is that if, if you aren't sober, then those things aren't going to be in order anyway. So I think it definitely is that way. Also, what I was trying to say is that I, I guess what I was trying to make clear, too, is I don't think about it every day. So it, it's not it, it just has gotten to that point in my life where it's not even an option for me to drink, even though it always is, of course, you can make that choice any day. But for me, it's always just one day at a time. It's, it's just not, it, it just can't fit here. So I don't think that, but I do think that if you are trying to be sober and live a sober life, that it does have to, because 
just like anything else. We'll put our family first. We'll make excuses like, oh, I couldn't make it to a meeting because of this or I wasn't able to do that because of this. And now my job was stressing me out. So now I'm, I had to take a drink or. And so I think it will become a, like those things will be able to become a crutch if you don't make that the priority. The other thing which you were saying, too, just about like the emotions that happen for sure. I think just like the internal battles and just how like life is. There was a on my Gratefully show. I had an interview with a guy the other day and he said something. His brother, he lost his brother in 2017. And he was saying that in, he doesn't remember 2018 and 19 because of drinking. His brother died in 2017. He was like, he just was drinking so much that he, he doesn't remember really until the pandemic happened. And then in 2020, you had to sit still and all of this stuff just like, it, you couldn't outrun it. And so you have so many different emotional battles where it's like, dang, it was okay to be sober or not drinking until those emotions start flooding you or bad things, rocky times happen. So what do you do when those things happen? Like, how will you get through a moment like right now? Well, I think for me, like the first two things I know to do, um, definitely cry writing, journaling comes next. And then usually when those two, also like talking to a friend, like shout out to my friend Kyra. Like yesterday I just didn't, I was like delaying coming home because I knew like once I got home, I was going to have to like really, really, really ace my emotions. And, um, you know, I have a friend here where she we just talked and it was really like helpful. Like, I, like when people tell me they're not a girl's girl or they don't have friends, I'm like, and I, maybe this sounds judgmental. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, don't see how you can like navigate life without friends like what it just doesn't make sense to me um and and i hope that doesn't sound me because i know like some people do have like really genuine really sad like friend tra friendship trauma like i i get it uh but i really do wish and hope like friendship on people if you're listening to this episode i really truly do like wish friendship upon you because to me that's definitely um a tool so when like crying crying journaling talking to a friend when i've done those things and i still need to pick me up that's when i go seeking pleasure so like i mean this is i'm gonna rate this episode um e for what what is it for explicit i um masturbate um i eat good food like a, a seafood boil um what else do i do i like probably would download an app and like just start talking to people like just trying to seek pleasure <laughs> just seek pleasure from like someone on the app so yeah usually like when i tried it when i've done and finished doing all those like the the i guess the again the, the talking to a friend writing and and crying then after I generally will try to seek pleasure to like just remedy the feelings that I have. And I also wanted to say that, um, what I wanted to say, I wanted to say, so sobriety is the most important thing in your life. Oh, okay. Can you read the second part of that quote? The first part was no exception after that, but then it says, you may believe your job, your home life, or one of many other things come first, but consider if you do not get sober and stay sober, chances are you won't have a job, a family, or even sanity or life. 
Okay, so the problem I have with that part. So the first part, sober, is the most important thing. I can agree with that. I have a problem with that part because a lot of us, the reason why a lot of black people, the reason why it's hard to detect that we have, I don't know, for me, it was very hard to detect that I had an addiction because a lot of us are very functional, you know, in our addiction. So, like, when it asserts that you'll lose your home and you'll lose this and that, a lot of a lot of black people who experience addiction and depression and other mental illness, they know how to work through those things. And which is why they feel like they don't have an addiction. Because it's, again, we, we say, well, I didn't lose my job. I didn't lose my home. And so I can see how that part is very problematic. Again, I even brought it up like a couple episodes ago in 2022, when they came up with an episode finally admitting that depression looks different on black women than other demographics. And did you just figure this out? Of course it does. Of course it does. And and this this you know rides all the way back to slavery. And when you know folks say, well were you enslaved? Are you out of your effing mind? Like our parents carried on the practices and beliefs from their parents, from their parents. So the, the mindset is still being passed on to us. Even though we were, we might not have experienced physical slavery, but during that time, our moms, our aunts, our sisters gave birth and still had to work and experienced so much violence. You know, they they did everything that women do today. Why they while they were experiencing harsh violence and that mindset of like you can be going through a b and c but you still have to work has been passed on to our generation to us that's why it's hard to 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 accept that we might be experiencing depression or we might be or we might be in addiction when we're watching tv and we're reading newspaper that only center white folks and um I'm gonna say it. they were they weren't raised under that mentality. They 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 weren't right. That meant they weren't raised under that mentality. It is what it is. So while you know, walk in New York, seeing a lot of houses, people generally like white, hearing stories of addiction, people losing their 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 houses and this and that, generally white. And when we're comparing our stories to them, and I'm not saying that black people do not lose their jobs, houses. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that a lot of us who do experience addiction um addiction or any mental health illness we generally as for a very long time can work through that i've heard stories i've had my own stories my own story of being in addiction and not even knowing that i was in addiction because in my head i'm like i don't look like them and what was who was them them were white folks that i would see on tv that i would you know just hear um in my high school just you know students who drank they weren't people they weren't me and they definitely were not people who looked like me so um i can understand in some what i'm trying to say i can understand how that second part is is problematic especially back in the day when even when they during their slave slavery time you know we heard stories from w.e Bois and um Frederick Douglass and other civil rights um, leaders, right, social activists who said that enslaved people did face, were in addiction, they did face addiction, right, they were given um, alcohol from um, slavers or whatever you want to call them, I'm not calling them masters, but, you know, the folks who enslaved them, they were given alcohol to keep them docile, however, do you think that an enslaved person who's facing addiction cannot go on the plantation and work? 
Do you think that they can just be laid out on, on the bed and, and, and you know, say, oh, I can't go out today? No. They work through that. They work through their problems. You know, they were being abused. That is depression. That's trauma. They still work through that. And again, that's why I feel like that mentality has been passed on to us. So it's not accurate to say, you know, if you continue drinking, you're going to lose this and that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of black people who are in addiction, facing addiction, or any other mental health illness can still have their jobs, can still maintain their families, um, home, right? However, internally, they're destroying themselves. Externally, they're destroying the, their families and their communities. And that has to be taken into consideration. And I'll stop there because I can go on and on and on and on. But I'm going to stop there. <laughs> No, that was, listen, that was good. I mean, I think it's always a good educational thing to just like bring everything full circle and just seeing how certain mentalities can apply and not apply to us, to our community and what we've been through. I think that's, I think that's something super important to talk about that because that's, that's why I was saying, I, I think what they said about the sobriety being the most important thing, but I do think that there are people who, like you said, they can just based on who we are, can balance and and maintain it eventually, sure, things do escalate. And like you said, you're not saying that no black families didn't lose everything due to addiction because it's happening all the time. I know personally people who have lost everything and are currently now houseless and just just doing whatever it is that they're doing because of their addiction and their choices. So for sure, but I do think that not that's not going to apply to, to everybody. But if you are trying to Find your way in sobriety. If you have made it and you find yourself falling back and forth, just because because we can't really quiet the noise of life. And the only things that we really can control is ourselves, even though sometimes like maybe now we feel out of control emotionally. But the reality is we do have the ability with the right skill sets, tools and resources to center. But we can't control what our family is doing, what our job is doing. Even just traffic, for some reason, that is one thing that, like, if you're talking to me, I can just go from zero to 100 just for no reason. Like, and I've gotten better with it, but just small stuff like that, that you can't control what people are doing. I, I drive kind of slow. Let me just say this. So <laughs> I'm like a super cautious driver just for whatever reason. So usually if I'm getting mad, it's because people are just doing nonsense and I just whatever whatever the whole point is that we can control ourselves we can't control those things so if you are trying to become sober stay sober maintain sobriety support someone in it because we can have people who are listening maybe just to support other people in their life and not just themselves then that decision should definitely become number one and the priority and this is the other thing if people in your life can't respect that then that's where we have to put certain boundaries in place and call people out about that hey to you you might not see the importance of my sobriety. You might not understand why that's number one and why I can't do X, Y, and Z with you. But this is what it is for my life, like it or not. A lot of times, like in the Facebook group, I'll see people comment and I always try to like love the post or something like that. Hey, you know, I put X amount of days together. I haven't been able to do that yet ever. So that's a win. So those are those times where it's like, this is crucial for me. And if you can't respect that, because I feel like for some reason, people just give you guilt about drinking. It's like if I was like, yeah, I haven't, you know, used certain drugs in a couple of days, like maybe it's like, OK, good for you. But if you're like, hey, I, I stopped drinking, it's like, oh, why'd you do that? Like it just I don't know what that misconception is, but keep fighting. Don't let anybody 
knock you off your block for making that a priority for yourself. Yeah, and I want to say, like, we're, I mean, I feel like we've already said it, and it's kind of, like, self-explanatory, so, uh, but I just do want to still say it. Like, we're not saying that, like, if you are functional, we're not saying that you should continue drinking or oh, no, continue drinking. I think for me, um, like, if I'm, I think, like, for me, sobriety meant, like, creating a life that I don't have to escape from. Like, it's, you know, ending whoa, 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 no, whoa, no. Say that again. Say that again. That's too much of a bar to just drop that and keep going. Sobriety for you. Yeah, it's creating a life that I don't have to escape from, right? Um, it's ending the cycle of drinking, right? And then enduring stomach pains, digestion pains, headaches, breakouts, um, you know, joint aches, and, and just like just the hell of that cycle, of that running on the cycle. And um, I think that should be the goal for many people. It's like, okay, what do I have to do to, to create the life that I don't need to escape from? And it's going to look different from, from people to people, right? I definitely wanted to escape from that cycle that non-ending cycle of like so you know sobriety for maybe a couple of days and then drinking again because that part was was hell and like when people say you know you said your the, your guest he said something to the effect of um he he like kind of forgot what he was like doing for those two years that he was drinking the truth is for me like when i was when i would have like little stints of sobriety the moment i drank i forgot a lot of the things that i wanted to take note of like i mentioned earlier a huge part of my sobriety was getting to know me like my triggers why i don't like this this um episode of this or why don't why does hanging out with this person trigger me? Um, why can't I do this type of job? When I drank, I would forget all of the research I have done about myself while I was sober and then have to restart again, right? And again, if, if the goal is to create a life we don't have to escape from, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stay sober to figure out what is it that that's that's hurting us? What it is that's triggering us? What it is that's making us want to drink? So regardless, if you still have a home and you still have your family and you still have a job, what good is that if you're miserable as hell? Like, like I don't know, like I don't know. I'm not gonna be miserable in sobriety. Hell no. I might as well pick up again. Well, I'm not gonna be miserable, and, and it doesn't mean that life is not gonna happen. Yeah, there's certain life things that are gonna happen. There's certain times where I'm just gonna be hit with so many emotions. Um, but I'm going to know how to address them. And I, I know because I am sober, one of the many lessons I've learned in my sobriety and my recovery life is that these tough times don't last. They're very temporary. They come and they go. What prolongs them, what prolongs them is drinking. <laughs> it's drinking. That's what prolongs them. Because now, again, I dr I'm feeling hard emotions, drink go to sleep, wake up. Now I, I feel the anxiety 10 times harder. Now I feel depression 10 times harder. Now I'm thinking the worst about every single little thing because that's just what my mind, my this is an uh, alcohol-induced depression, anxiety. So no way, shape, or form if you think that like you can still maintain your home or your job. Um, I guess if that's what's important to you, I, I, I mean, you know, do, do you. But if what's important is you living a life, figuring out the little, the little blocks that's gonna make create the life that you want to live, um, 
I, I can't see how drinking is, is going to be a part of that, especially when you're currently experiencing an, an addiction or substance use. Like, I just, I, I don't see it. No, nah, I love that. There's so many gems in there. Listen, we both agree. Sobriety needs to be the most important thing in your life, no exception. And just try to stick to that. Keep going back to that. One thing I want to say as we wrap up, you brought up this thought. I was having lunch with a customer the other day. And he was talking about someone that works in his warehouse in Canada that runs it. He goes, oh, yeah, he's he's really mean. He's a real mean guy. And I'm like, OK, he goes, yeah, because he's religious. And I was like, <laughs> it like threw me through. Because like, yeah, he's he's really mean. No one he doesn't get along with anyone because he's religious. And I was like, whoa, well, what do you mean by that? He was like, you know what I mean by that? And I was just like. So it made me think what you were just saying that you don't want to be sobriety and be miserable. Like we don't want these things that should be considered good aspects of you, whether however you view religion or spirituality, the fact that this person got a bad name based on something that society would in most parts at least put it in like a standard of well they're they're pretty good people, they're decent people, but no, it's not. People look at it like, oh, that person's religious, they're not good. Like just because you have this certain thing, you still have to be a good person. So like if you're professing God or if you're talking about I'm sober or whatever the case is, then you just can't be those things and just like be a nasty person. Like you don't want to just make these certain changes, whatever. It doesn't matter your perception on religion, your perception on whatever. Just like don't just do something to say this is a part of who you are, but not really change who you are is what I'm trying to say. Like make sure you change your heart as well to match whatever title or new part of your new level or event aspect of your life. Did that make sense? I hope so. But yeah, it kind of made me think about that when you said that. It definitely makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to get into it for a little bit. Um, even going up, first of all, they said that's a pastor's kid. So I know you was like, girl, what are you I mean, God, what are you talking about? Anyways, <laughs> um, as a person who used to be very religious, um, shout out to my Muslim Muzz is Ramadan is coming up. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be very Oh, we have to talk about the schedule because I might be. Well, Disney Ramadan on the schedule. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're, we're there again. <laughs> um, but one thing, and I'm slowly finding my way back to God in a way that I truly feel connected. But one thing that like made me stop my relationship with God um, for a bit during my addiction, and then after, even like while I was in recovery, was just realizing that. Oh my gosh, I've been surrounded with all these people who claim Islam, you know, pray five times a day, do this and that, and their actions are despicable. They're violent. They're they're abusive, right? And it's not just Muslims. Like, growing up in the Catholic Irish Church and how our teachers used to speak to us, our principal, like, oh my gosh, she was like hell on heels, like yelling constantly. They didn't reflect the teachings of the, the Bible or of the gospel. Or of the Quran, right? Um, so I can understand why. I mean, I think it's kind of silly just to hear that somebody's religious and then be like, oh, you know, they're a bad person. I feel like maybe like their actions is what, like, you know, their actions mm-hmm. is what made that person who said that to you make the yeah, it was, reference. It was actions. Yeah, it was his actions. It was actions, right? And you brought up a really, really good point of why I always say that I don't, like, I'm sorry, just doing, doing in my opinion, doing 12 step alone doing any recovery program that does not assess beliefs and thoughts of white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, sexism, homophobia, 
cannot transform you to be a good person. If, if, bef- go, if before your addiction, you were especially, um, practicing a lot of those beliefs. And I feel like we all do. We all did at some time, you know, just because of how society is. I, I, used to practice anti-blackness not knowing that it was anti-blackness right not understanding that what i was doing it's just like what i was taught i was taught lighter is better i was taught like this type of hair is better and just doing a recovery program alone that does not address um you know the teachings and the practice and the beliefs that made us feel like that we weren't worthy that made um, us treat other people like they weren't worthy is not enough. And I can say, for example, Chef Ray. I don't know if you heard about the Chef Ray dude. In the the guy in the like the um, wheelchair dude. No. So Chef Ray. Oh, so that's short. Roland. Who? That's Roland Ray. That's a different person. What's that? <laughs> not Roland Ray. What the? No, I'm talking about Chef Ray, and let me let me let me break this down a little bit for you. Long story short, and don't quote me on like the specifics of um the facts leading up to my opinion. Like you know, I don't I I wasn't on the story like really hard. I just know the general facts of it. Uh, this guy was on Twitter for a couple of years, harassing black girls, harassing fat girls. Long story short, he, um, you know, took a break from Twitter. He came back years later as a lawyer um, and a chef, Chef Way, right? And the girls that he used to harass realized, like, wait, wasn't this guy who was harassing us, like, years back? Because, you know, now social media, everyone wants to rebrand. Um, and he got caused out, lost sponsorships, blah, 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 blah. He eventually even lost his job at a, the DA's office. And think about, well, before I get to that, let me not even go on a rampant. Um, so before, so, so when that happened, he released a statement that pissed me the F off. He basically said that he was in addiction at the time that he, um, was harassing those black women and and fat girls. He said that doing a 12 step program, laughable, um, and cooking is how he changed his views. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Where in the 12 steps do they talk about, about racism and anti-blackness? They don't even mention black people. They hardly mention even women. How does cooking, first of all, and let's be very clear, drinking does not make you racist. You've had those beliefs before you were drinking. Mm-hmm. Drinking just makes you put it out there and it, it affects how you act and the way you basically show people your values and, you, and your beliefs. And his whole um, apology was so upsetting because I know the fact that he's a DA, he is anti-black. I don't think that has changed. And that's my opinion. I don't think that has changed at all. The fact that, like, we have this person who really hasn't told us how he's changed his views of why he thought that black girls are, like, ugly and, and worthless and less than all his negative energy that he had towards black girls. He's, like, he's never, he didn't explain in that apology the work he's done to, like, unlearn that. Um, and you were the DA in charge of people's lives and their freedom. After a lot of like, uh, after a lot of like backlash, finally the DA's office, you know, gave him the boot. But even his boss, which is a white woman, 
<laughs> talking about he's reformed, he's like changed. Um, now that he's in sobriety, piss posh. I don't know. That's even what I'm trying to say. But f out of here. That's that's so. Like, are you are you nuts? Absolutely not. And I'm not mad at the fact that like he. I mean, yes, I'm mad at the fact that he harassed those 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 um black girls. But the truth of matter the truth of the matter is, a lot of us. You know, not to that extent. I don't know what you were going through to make you, like, you know, try to just harm people in such a embraceive and obnoxious way. Like, seek help. But the truth of fact, I could I could have accepted the fact that, like, yeah, he was anti-black. You know, he was, you know, fatphobic. He was violent towards black women. Um, but, hey, he's doing what he needs to do to unlearn and become a, a better person, right? I Like, if he would have just addressed why he had those views and, and, you know, again, drinking does not make you anti-black. You've had those views way before you started drinking. Again, just drinking just made you practice them um, or, yeah, display your views in a way where you didn't care. Like, you didn't get a, give a F. I can understand that, you know? But, like, you took no accountability, no responsibility um, for the harm that you did. And then to say that doing a 12-step program <laughs> made you change your views, you out of your mother effing mind. You are out of your mind. And, and um... I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. I feel like I already said what I had to say. Out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. And that's the thing too. It's like when people do certain things and certain behaviors, and they just like blame it on that. Like, oh, I was in addiction, or oh, this program helped me. But like, how? Like, how did it help you? Like, what work did you actually do? And how can you even use that as an excuse that that just now like changes who you are? And again, I do think people can change, but not when you don't take accountability or explain like how the change actually like happened and that is kind of scary to be to be a da with that kind of like background or mindset as well like let's be like i feel like a part of recovery is being honest i've been honest about like my anti-blackness my um fat phobia my honestly sometimes homophobia too like i you know, it wasn't until I started reading a lot about, a lot from Bell Hooks and Andre Lloyd and, and this that I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I had to see how these beliefs were not only hurting other people, also hurting myself because I was hating myself, right? Now that I can say I'm a black queer woman, I realized that I was, I had a lot of these views and, and beliefs that made me treat, probably treat other people horribly, but also treat myself um, horribly. And I had to come to terms with that. About power dynamics, I, I wanted to have on, on other people at work or at school, wanting to be the only black girl doing certain things, wanting to be a token. What is your recovery if you're not unlearn, if you're not admitting, unlearning, and relearning? Like, what the f are you doing? Besides, like, again, like you said before, still being a horrible person. Now you're just a horrible person who don't drink, and that's why I was ended by saying this because I could go on and on, but I'm gonna say this. That's why a lot of should I say this? Yeah, I'm saying. That's why a lot of people, um, you know, I, we were just talking about this last week in, in a meeting about why, for me, 12 steps was, um, yeah, mm -mm. because the, another thing is because of the power dynamics, right? And I'm coming from a place where I don't want, I don't want my, wor my worth to be dependent on, like, what I have more than you, regardless of a sobriety, money, cars, like, no, that's how I was living before, and it led to my demise, 
I'm a little dramatic, but you get what I'm saying, right? So I'm not going back there. And with the 12 steps, I, I realized that, like, I would have potential sponsors or people who just have more time than me, like, think they can t- talk down to me or, or, um, or act like I didn't have any autonomy over my life. Girl, Just I'm not boo-boo the fool just because I'm drinking. Like, do you want me to tell you all my degrees? And yes, I can. I'm, I'm not an idiot, okay? I'm actually very smart. And just because some people have um, an addiction doesn't make them dumb. It doesn't mean that they lose their autonomy. And I found myself talking a lot about like letting people know like listen i'm not a fool like i'm actually attorney and i hate that i don't i feel like i shouldn't have to tell you that like listen ma'am i'm not an idiot you're not going to talk to me like i'm an idiot these are my credentials for you for you for me to feel like you are actually giving me respect you know what i mean like i'm trying to move away from from that of like just people of people wanting to control other people and for me and again it doesn't mean i didn't have mentors i have sober mentors now i have people who live are living the life that I want to live. And it's not about the material things per se. It's about how they treat people, how they mm-hmm. feel about themselves, how they feel about their purpose in the world. And my experience in the 12 step realm was a lot of, I have this, I have that. And if you want this, you're going to listen to me. B, no, I'm not. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to live your life. Like, you look lame as hell to me. And to me, again, lame is when you are trying to, I, I feel like, give yourself importance by dominating me or by being control of me, telling me what to do, when to sleep, when to this and that. What does this look like? I'm not an idiot. And that's, and again, that's that cultural, and I do think it's a cultural difference of, like, Black people are functional, even when we're in distress because of our past and the violence that we encounter like what I, I i don't need right now i don't and because again our stories differ i feel like and especially when i was going to 12 step meetings and i still go let's be very clear and real where like i'm hearing a lot of like yeah i was you know my dad used to give me drinks when i was 12 and 13 uh, maybe i shouldn't have used that voice because that's kind of insensitive but where people are being like <laughs> or people are being like you know i did this and I, that's not how I came into addiction, right? I didn't start drinking until I was 21, <laughs> became a lawyer, realized I hated myself, realized that I wasn't happy with myself, and then and then I started drinking. So our stories are not the same. And what I don't need is more structure. What I do need is to come in come into terms with who I am and be okay with being who I am. And and forget the idea that I have to like, you know, mold myself to fit you know, society, family, now you, you want me to come to this program and not try to fit what you think I should be? That's not what I need per se. I don't know how else to tell you that. It's not going to work. And then don't even get me started, but don't get me started on even like the predatory men in there, you know, people who are quote unquote trying to help you, but kind of like being predatory, like, like (sighs) inappropriate. Again, that's hierarchy. That's saying like listen i have i have this many years or i have this position in this club or i have like in this homeroom or i have this and that and because i have this not because i'm a good person not because i'm nice not because i volunteer not because i've done anti-racism work not because i've helped people at the shelter but because i have these many years and i have this car in this house you need to listen to me that's out of here i'm not listening to you and again it doesn't mean i don't have mentors i have mentors 
I have people who I go to for advice because I don't know everything. And I'm trying to navigate my life in a way, again, that I don't have to escape from. And those are the people I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow their actions and their advice and, you know, what they tell me, not you. And that's what I got to say. <laughs> we got to end it right there. That was a lot. A lot of good, good, good. Like that, this conversation had to wake so many people up in so many different aspects and just to look in the mirror, look at yourself, see what you're doing. What are you even on this journey for? Don't define that by somebody else. Don't get caught in a rat race, somebody's perception of you or your sobriety journey, which you have to do. Like, do what you got to do. This is one of those episodes where you're going to just replay it back and be like, wait, what was she saying about this? What were they saying about that? And definitely, we hope it can help you in some way. Katie, that's all I got today. You got anything else before we get out of here? Yes. If you enjoy this episode, if you enjoy the resources of Sober Blackers Club, make sure you are supporting us in ways that help the club grow the club enrich the club um you know make a donation and i'm going to be really pushing that more often like i finally <laughs> i know that you're like girl i know i asked for this but oh well i finally started to see, like see seek a mentor to help me with the club and one thing that we do need to start pushing more to keep our resources free and accessible to to the people who are listening to podcasts who come to the meeting who you know come to meetups workshops is by donations and other stuff too if you know a company or organization that goals align with the club or they're trying to do community work um, and work with organizations like super blackers club send them our way let's create a par- partnership um but yeah if you if you um like this episode definitely drop a donation nothing is too small nothing is definitely too big but definitely nothing is too small even if we literally if we get if we got a dollar from every listen for each episode our monthly um expenses would be paid how amazing how can we donate is there going to be a link or is there a cash app or a event like what's the best way to donate um, yeah, I mean, right now we have PayPal <laughs> and Cash App, and you can find that, like, on our link tree or our website. Again, one of the things that we're working towards now is, like, applying for grants and getting money. So we want to update our website, have a membership portal, you know, just really update and upgrade what we're doing um, in many ways. But the website, right now, if you go on the website, you see the PayPal link. A nonprofit should not just have that link. It should be something more cohesive and extensive. And that's why we need to really be pushing for more donations. So we can, you know, we can match the work that we're doing. Like our external factors, our external look, you know, like, we're not joking. But like, yeah, the external look can match a lot of the internal things that we're doing. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. And uh, that information will be in the the show notes. So definitely make sure you tap in, share the love. Uh, Yeah, till next time. Peace. Bye, y'all. I don't know why I just put that peace sign because of you. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. I wanted you to say bye, (laughs) y'all. All right, let me stop recording.